Harris is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Boise State for the win. They hand it off to Johnson. Boise State has won the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Can you believe it? He's going for the corner. Kick is blocked. Appalachian State has stunned the college football world. One of the greatest upsets in sports history. Welcome everyone to the fifth year podcast. As always, Clint Maxey behind the producer chair, Zach Ruley, and yours truly, Parker Biggs. We've got a lot to talk about this week with uh, a recap of some playoff shaping conference championship games. Uh, a look at the final college football playoff rankings, updates to the coaching carousel, and much, much more. So let's go ahead and hop right in uh, and take a look back at an exciting conference championship weekend. Uh, we'll start in our neck of the woods with the Big 12 championship. Uh, Baylor taking down Oklahoma State 21-16 in a thrilling matchup. Uh, Spencer Sanders threw four interceptions. Uh, but despite that, Oklahoma State's stingy defense kept them in the game, and they had a chance at the end to win the game, but came up just short. So, Ruley, uh, pokes are your team. I'll let you uh, take it from here. Yeah, I was there. I was good, good vibes going into the game. Honestly, I'm never really, like, confident. I thought we were going to – I was probably a little too confident. I thought we were going to beat them pretty bad, honestly, Saturday. Uh, like 75% OSU fans. I don't know how it looked on TV, but it was – a lot of orange. That's exactly yeah, how it, it looked. It was, it was pro orange. Like every, like, I think I was in the only Baylor section. Honest to God, um, <laughs> how was that? It was good. They're pretty kind, except for one gentleman was wearing a Michigan hoodie and like cheering for Baylor. I don't, I don't really know, but Baylor fans are pretty. Except for after the game, they're getting pretty rowdy, which is what it is. Um, yeah, it sucked. Spencer kind of hurt. Um. They've been able to overcome his mistakes this year against the good teams. This time they weren't. But the defense, I, I, I'm I, not going to criticize them, but they were kind of on their toes, those first. The um, Shapin looked like Dan Marine on short fields, so it's kind of unfair to, to judge them on that. But it was um, definitely odd to see somebody. I think he started 17 of 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was just picking apart. I mean, yeah, like was, Dick and Dunk, he wasn't making insane throws. I will say he made uh, maybe their second touchdown, the one in the corner where the receiver made. Oh, that was a hell of a yeah. great throw. Great catch. You just got, we got beat on that one. No big deal. Um, but in the second half, you know, defense stiffens up. Like they gave up like 70 yards in the second half. If that, uh, and that was what we were more used to seeing. Spencer and other two bad ones. The, the Presley one honestly wasn't that bad to me. Um, the throw is a little behind, but I think Brennan would tell you he probably could have caught that ball. And then it just lands in the guy's lap. I don't know. It You don't deserve to win if you can't get a yard at the end of the day. Um, yeah. I'm sure you guys would agree with that. If the line can't go get you one offensive yard, uh, you don't deserve to be in a ball game, and you probably don't – you definitely don't deserve to win it. Um, they were, I think, one – in terms of scoring touchdowns, one for five in goal-to-go situations Saturday. Yeah, they start, They had those two – everyone will look back at that last drive, but 
There was that drive earlier in the second half too, where they had what three opportunities from the one yard line then to couldn't yeah, they, 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 or that yeah. was that was what with like five or six minutes left in the game. Yeah, and I and I honestly think if we score there, the game the game is over based on the way the defense was playing. Mm-hmm. Um, on that on that one, the previous one, that's the one where Desmond Jackson does his best. Des Bryant goes up over the top. Makes the catch. I initially thought he landed in, obviously, on TV. Like, when I just look up and see one replay, I'm like, oh, he's not. Um, had he been in, though, I think that definitely changes the outcome of the game. But um, no Jalen Warren hurts because he's a guy that can make things happen even when line blocking is shaky. Um, and he could have got – and we all know, I mean, this isn't – He gets in. He gets in. The, in the, I mean, you should have a second running back that can get in from one yard out. But at the end of the day, if Jalen Warren's there – yeah, hell of a play have by that the, issue. Yeah, hell of a play by the Baylor kid too. I I'm of the belief that if Desmond Jackson, um, one, he probably dove a little early. It kind of looks like right. He he maybe mm-hmm. dove a yard or two early. Two, physics. I'm not a, a physicist. We all know that, but there's no way if he just goes into that guy, like puts his shoulder down and goes tries to go through the guy, based on the way momentum was and the guy the way that guy was leaning. There's no way he tackled stands him up and tackles him right. for one. And if he does, it's the greatest tackle of all time. You tip your cap. But, like, he really kind of – I'm not going to say bailed him out by diving, but it. you guys get what I'm saying. Was, I also think he was – like, he was set in his wet in his head. Yeah, like, he knew he was diving no matter what. I well, agree. not only that, but, like, he was thinking he was going to, at some point, before he gets to the sideline, outrun him. And that was such a good play by that Baylor corner. Like, he was – a yard behind him from like if you're running both running to the side he was pretty much a yard behind him and caught up to him and ran him all the way out so it was i think yeah, he was in for in, sure when he bounced it outside i was like oh there's there's the game lost in the shuffle is oklahoma state throwing a pass to a defensive lineman on third down um mm-hmm. that one was pretty frustrating to me i didn't realize i was a defensive lineman yeah number 89 tyler lacy i don't think a lot of people did to be wow. quite honest with you um so that seems kind of silly in hindsight. I would have preferred that they, maybe they go out of the shotgun, spread them out. They didn't run it with Smith or Sanders once, those last two uh, goal-to-go goal situations um, in the fourth quarter. Not one design run with Smith or Sanders, which is – he actually ran the ball fairly well Saturday. So I, I might have would have tried a keeper of some sorts, but I don't get paid to coach football. So. And looking at this more on the from the Baylor point of view, so this is now two last three coaches won Big 12 championships, and the only guy that hadn't is Rule, and he played in one Big 12 championship game. So looking kind of ahead, do you – Rule, would you look at Baylor as one of the main yeah, they're, competitor they're, or threats to yeah. be a power in the future Big 12? Yeah, should I guess, like – you wouldn't have thought that coming in. Aranda's a stud. I was hoping somebody would swoop him up so we don't have to deal with him going forward. But he, uh, that dude can coach. Uh, yeah. And his teams are physical. They're tough. I think he might be in a similar boat. I'd have to look at their roster a little more, obviously. But um, I think he does have a lot of senior leadership on that defensive side of the ball. And then also running back like Abram Smith and um, I think Ebner might be a senior too. So they're going to lose some guys, but um, someone that solid, I think they'll be okay. And I'm sure they're doing decent in the recruiting rankings, but I think that'll be the them or Baylor OSU. And then if Cincinnati keeps Luke fickle, I see no reason why they'd go away. Yeah, no, I agree. That's those are the three teams that I would look at as the three 
most likely, at least from the get go, to be the have an opportunity to kind of take control of the the top dogs the con- in the conference. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be the most evenly matched, deepest. I mean, yeah. the depth is going to be pretty unbelievable. I mean, you look at the teams that are getting added into the Big Twelve. So you had the Big 12 championship going on with two teams not named OU Texas in the game, which is a win for Bob Bowlesby. And then on top of it, you go look at the American Athletic Conference title, which was two other teams. They're going to be in the Big 12. So you had four teams uh, playing for conference championship games that are going to be future members of the Big 12 um, and didn't have OU Texas. So good weekend for the Big 12. Um, in the I will A's. say, I will go say, ahead. Not going to call them a sleeping giant by any means because they have three 10-win seasons in the last 60 years. But um, there's been a little smoke about Quinn Ewers possibly transferring to Texas Tech. Um, Coach McGraw seems like – I'm not going to call him an ace recruiter, but he was hired to recruit at Baylor. And he's probably going to do the same at Texas Tech. Um, But if they they get one or two guys in there, they're not just horrible. They're they're a couple of players away from being a legit football team. And then you look at – TC or TCU now, Sonny Dykes. And yeah. I saw he just hired uh, Gillespie, the Tulsa defensive coordinator, to, to run the TCU defense, which I love that move. Um, T- Tulsa's had some really stingy defense the last couple of years. And he took uh, a couple of players with him, too. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, there's just the depth from top to bottom and really good coaching uh, throughout as well. So, uh, overall, I think a good weekend for the Big 12. No, obviously, not not for OSU, a game they probably probably should have won, but uh, still a really g- good season for OSU. I mean, looking back, obviously, this is kind of a sour sour taste in your mouth, not or coming up that short of a um, conference title. But at the end of the day, would you say this season was a pretty – I mean, yeah, it has yeah, been success, right? Yeah, and then we'll and we'll talk about it more. Like you get a you get a I'd say it was because I don't think anybody had you win in eleven games. The season win total was seven and a half. Um, large in part due to the defense and the personnel you had on that side of the ball, but you have a chance to win another one and against a marquee opponent in Notre Dame. But yeah, I'd I'd say it's definitely a success. I agree. I agree. Both teams for both teams very much outplayed yeah, they, the expectations. Baylor goes to beat Ole Miss. That's a great win for the conference, obviously for Baylor and Dave Aranda. How many games did they win last year? Less than four. two. I think they went two and two. seven last season. Yeah. So, I mean, what a turnaround job he's done. And and I don't, if OU and Texas are gone by next year, I don't see why they wouldn't be number one conference in the, or number one team in the league preseason. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I, I do think, I do think it is looking like OU Texas will probably be playing in the big 12 next year just because mm-hmm. those, I'm just assuming that based off of the fact that the schedules are released, but you never know. If you, uh, I was thinking about this when Alabama beat Georgia, but um, if OSU did win, who do you think gets in Cincinnati or Oklahoma state? I've been asking a couple of people that I'm curious what you guys think. Um, I think OSU would have found a way in, but since we lost and all those other teams won, I can tell myself it wouldn't have mattered, Mm -hmm. but I do think they would have switched them. I think, if OSU would have won in any other way than say them winning with Spencer Sanders throwing four interceptions, I think they well, would have gotten yeah. in. But in this particular situation, say they win, they score there at the end with Sanders throwing four picks. Uh, I I think they would have kept Cincinnati at four. Yeah, that's fair. but 
it would have been a tough call. Yeah. <laughs> a stressful Sunday for, for, Oh Rui. yeah. Yes. Okay. Let's go ahead and talk about that SEC championship. You were talking about there, Clint. So Nick Saban in Alabama beat Georgia 41, 24, that vaunted Georgia defense that looked unst- I mean, just M- you couldn't move the ball against them at all. Bryce Young goes in, throws for 421 yards. I mean, they just marched the ball down the field at ease against that Georgia secondary. I mean, just a really, really impressive performance by Alabama. Georgia going to have to kind of forget this one quickly and get ready for the playoffs. This one, I shouldn't have doubted Nick Saban. I really thought Georgia was a better team and was going to win this one, but you cannot doubt Nick Saban as he wins his eighth SEC title uh, and their seventh straight win over Georgia. So Georgia and Kirby Smart have an Alabama problem. And until they can figure that out, they might not be able to get over the hump. Yeah, Georgia's going to have to hope for a miracle. Um, they're going to have to beat Michigan and just pray, pray, pray. Cincinnati. You, you kind of remember when, like, like when Georgia plays a team like Alabama, you're like, oh, yeah, Georgia's quarterback is Stetson Bennett. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't he a walk-on when he got to school? Like, yeah. Georgia can't get someone better than Stetson Bennett to play quarterback. Um, the mailman. Yeah, literally. They had Justin Fields, but obviously he transferred out after a season. But I don't know. I mean, it, it was silly. I think I was on the same page you were. It's silly to, to bet against Alabama and Nick Saban. That is we, – we were fools for that. Yeah. I will say if they do meet again, it is hard to beat a team twice. So that's, that's about all Georgia's got going for them after that SEC championship game. That's fair. And John Mechie won't be part of that potential rematch mm-hmm. towards mm-hmm. ACL. He, had a, he was having a nice game, too, 97 yards and a touchdown. But on the flip side, they still have Jamison Williams, who really? uh, had 184 yards and a couple of touchdowns. I mean, I, I still can't believe he came from a state. Like, if he was on that team, too. Oh, my gosh. That Williams might well, playing time at Ohio State. Yeah, it's crazy. Insane. So, yeah, I think that, I mean, these two teams are just racking up the receivers right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Williams might end up winning the Blitnikoff. I would think here David Bell will. Um, but, yeah, Georgia, I mean, their run defense was pretty solid. I think Alabama only ran for like 100 yards. So, that was stiff as usual. But uh, Alabama seemed to have found something uh, where Georgia's vulnerable defensively, and that's if you have an elite passing attack. So, I'm not too – I think Georgia – I like Georgia a lot, and, I'm, I mean, and this is something we'll talk about in weeks leading up to this matchup. But I don't necessarily think Georgia is going to have too much trouble with Michigan because they don't have Bryce Young or Jamison Williams or, you know, yeah. some of these other weapons. Yeah, 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 it's, too. it's not the same. Also, it does kind of – I'm not saying I've, like, said Georgia's fake all year. But I, we have mentioned the competition level they've been playing in the SEC East. They yeah. finally had to go play somebody from the other side, and they got the best one, and it, and we see how it went. But yeah, yeah, Georgia really hadn't played anyone all season. Clemson was their best win up until yeah, it still is their best win. Yeah. But. Um. So yeah. So both of these teams um will get into the playoffs. So a great weekend for the SEC, not a good one for Georgia, and I'm. If they have a rematch, the thing I'm worried about if I'm a Georgia fan is kind of that mental aspect of it. Alabama owns Georgia. Yeah, they, they get their ass kicked when they play. 
Yeah. A little bit of a little brother thing. Yeah. It's getting to that point for sure. Um, All right. Move along here. Big 10 championship. Michigan easily locks up a playoff spot with a dominant 42 to three win over Iowa. Iowa had some opportunities to get on the board early three trips inside the uh, Michigan 15 yard line in the first half. And I think that only came up with three points. Uh, And then after that, Iowa just could not move the ball. It was the same Iowa offense we know. Michigan didn't really have to do anything special. Um, their numbers weren't insane. Uh, Iowa just couldn't move the ball. So since or so Michigan controlled the field. Um, they even lost the turnover battle, but that didn't matter. Uh, Iowa's offense is just horrible. And they didn't get any short enough fields to uh, to uh, take advantage of. Yeah, they didn't have the thirty yards like Baylor did to go and score touchdowns. Right. Yeah. I think uh, Stanford Steve said on bad beats, this was the closest 42 to three game he's ever seen. That makes any sense. Uh, I got to confess. I didn't watch any of this game, but I, I was not good. Right. Like they're, they're still pretty like Michigan's not going to beat Georgia. Correct. I don't, I don't think, know. I think they could. I don't think that I think if they both play to their, to their abilities, Georgia will win that game. The only my only takeaway from this game is that Harbaugh should have let Hutchinson score a touchdown for a Heisman oh, moment. Just for a cool Heisman moment because you, it's tough to get those on defense. So he should have put him out there like tight end and let him run a route. There, I mean, they were up enough he could have done it. Yeah, the th- one thing that I could see Georgia causing issues with, or Michigan causing issues for Georgia is. I don't know how – I don't think Michigan's going to move the ball in Georgia at all, but I don't know if Georgia's going to move the ball very well against Michigan either. Yeah, that's fair. When Bennett has Hutchinson and some of those other guys getting after him, that's, you know, that's a different animal than Kentucky or Arkansas or – I mean – Vanderbilt. Mississippi State, yeah, Vanderbilt. That's a different animal. So, I, I'm interested to see how it goes, but they're not – I mean, Alabama is Georgia's kryptonite. I, I don't think Michigan is. All right. Um, a, or American Athletic Championship. Cincinnati locks up their spot in the playoff to become the first group of five team to make it in this 14 playoff era, beating Houston 35 to 20. Cincinnati defense stepped up big, got after Tune in that Houston offense, sacked Tune eight times, had 12 tackles for loss. And then, really, Jerome Ford carried the offense, had a big touchdown run early, ended up with 187 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Uh, It wasn't the sexiest win in the world, but Cincinnati comfortably gets it done against a good, solid, ranked opponent. Um, And what was their definitely their second highest quality win of the year. So, uh, with the OSU loss, Cincinnati – was had zero sweat heading into selection Sunday, but do these guys have? I mean, what do you, what do you guys think? Do these guys have they, it? To no, make it? I don't. I don't think they have a chance to be quite honest with you. But they do have a lot of pressure. This is this goes a long way for the group of five teams because if they just go in there and get their shit pumped, it's going to be even harder one day for a group of five team to to get back into the as long as it's four teams, which is. The assumption we're, we're basing off of for the next couple of years till they can change it. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think? If Cincinnati does win, how do they beat Alabama? 
like what what would go wrong for Alabama or what would Cincinnati do especially well for them to win? Bryce Young gets hurt, I guess. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I think there's some. I think that Ritter can have success against that Alabama secondary. A lot worse quarterbacks have had success against that Alabama secondary. Yeah, yeah that, that's fair. And Cincinnati has enough of a run game that Alabama can't just sit back. If they sit back, Jerome Ford, the former Alabama Crimson Tide, will will have success in the ground. So they're going to have to play. I mean, they're going to have to put some guys in the box and Pierce, uh, some of the other weapons on the outside are good enough to, uh, I think, to make some, have some big plays. And if that's the case, keep the Alabama offense off the field. That's the key is going to be controlling them control yeah. uh, time of possession which i'm not sure if they're going to be able to do it i think they're a good team and i think they i'm basing this also off of the alabama we saw in the regular season if that alabama that shows up against georgia shows up against yeah, cincinnati it's going to be a long long day for the bearcats which but they probably if, will yeah that's that's what i'm assuming but say they do have an off game they're not totally ready to roll i think that bama secondary is vulnerable enough that ritter can make some plays I also think Bama's weakness offensively is that offensive line, and Cincinnati's got some dudes that could cause some some pressure on Bryce Young. Um, yeah, for, I mean there might there is a, I think there's a path to victory for Cincinnati, but that would involve Alabama not not coming with their A game. Which would surprise have, me. They do have some um, pretty physical corners too, so that'll be an interesting matchup with that. Yeah, I mean, they got two like, yeah, first corners, round corners. Their corners are legit. So it'll be – I mean, I'm going to guess there's SEC corners, first-round talent there, but they could be the best defensive backfield Alabama's played all year. I think they – there's a very – I mean, that's a legitimate argument. I think that they – I think and no doubt have the best cornerback duo in the country. And so – and you take away Mechie from the equation for Alabama. Yes. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, put – I mean, have a receiver that can make it tough on Williamson – Alabama doesn't have that second threat. I mean, there. I mean, there is a, a path to victory for Cincinnati, but everything mm-hmm. would have to go their way. Yep. Yeah. They will have America backing them, though. Obviously. One hundred percent. This, I think, yeah. they'll be the. I mean, is there an sure, easier team to root for ever than Cincinnati against Alabama? Uh, <laughs> Boise State was was really rooted on by all of America in that Fiesta. Yeah. Yeah, that was back in the day. We don't even yeah, remember. Yeah, but then, you know, that was before Twitter. It was even more inspiring back then. So, well, well, well maybe this will replace, you know, that Boise State game in the minds of. I hope well, for you guys it does. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be pretty Cinderella, cool. When you think of the underdog in football, I feel like a lot of people's minds go to that game. Yeah. For whatever, for whatever reason, it goes to that. That or App State over Michigan, probably. Yeah. All right, let's wrap up with these last two, neither of which uh, had any impact in the playoff race, but Utah, for the second time this season, rolls Oregon, this time 38-10. to 10, So they outscored the Ducks 76-17 to 17 on the season. Uh, Oregon just looked not prepared from the get-go. Anthony Brown th- threw two early interceptions, couldn't do anything, couldn't run the ball against that Utah defense, and Utah just jumped on them just like last time. Uh, Utah is a much more physical, more well-rounded football team. Uh, just absolutely dominant. Oregon held only 74 rush yards. And so Utah gets their first ever Pac-12 championship to clinch 
uh, also their first Rose Bowl bid. So huge, huge win for Utah um, with that opportunity to go play in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, they were dominant. Anthony Brown, I the, what I saw that game, he makes some very, very poor decisions throwing the football sometimes. Oh. There, was, there was one he made. He was running. He had almost looked like he was about to be out of bounds. Like he jumped out of bounds and tried to make some throw like 20 yards down the field right to the lap of a defender. Yeah. Yeah. He did not have it. And without a run game, it's even uglier. When you said that with underprepared, I mean, that makes you wonder was, I mean, I doubt Cristobal's head is 100% in it. How could it be? Oh, no way. Yeah. No, they, they were. I, I'm not saying he's out there just kicking, kicking rocks, but like pretty damn. Oh, I put the blame. The blame for that performance is 100% on Cristobal's shoulders. Yeah. He, he didn't want to be there. He no. left what? Not even seven days later, four days later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so just unfortunate for the Oregon players. Um, really a, an ass-kicking uh, by Utah. And then in, in an even less relevant Power 5 championship game, Pitt beat Wake Forest 45-21 uh, to win uh, an ACC title. Pitt uh, catapulted well up in the rankings. Kenny Pickett, Heisman finalist, uh, good – Good, good season for Pitt and an otherwise pretty boring season for the, for the ACC. Yeah, without Clemson, that conference is uh, – the cupboard's pretty bare, huh? Yeah, it's it's not exciting. I saw the AAC actually outdrew the ACC uh, in television numbers this weekend. Really? Yeah. It's pretty big time. Yeah. Um, Pickett's fake slide was really cool. Oh, oh Yeah. That was awesome. I think Ryan Clark said this kind of opens Pandora's box, which might be the case, actually. I, I've always wondered about that. I've well, always wondered about giving your, yourself up, right? You're not like you could argue that, that like him making that move is giving himself up. Um, yeah. Like, are you saying once he does that, like, hey, he, you can hit him like you can hit anybody else? Or like almost like. Could you argue the ball should be blown dead when a guy starts making yeah, that move? Because no, the yeah. defender has to hold up. At that yeah, point. for sure. Like if if I was a coach and like my starting All American safety gets ejected for targeting because a guy fake slid, mm-hmm. he would be pretty upset. It would be hard to kind of control that though because it's so bang bang. And imagine calling someone down when I mean, what if they're cutting or juking? it would be a very subject- subjective. Uh, yeah. by the officials, which I don't think but, we need more of in football. But yeah. That was a crazy play. That was, was awesome. It was a good move. Yeah, that was awesome. He, uh, and he's been one of the better quarterbacks in the country this year, so um, don't think he's going to win it Saturday, but he definitely deserves the trip. 100%. 100%. Yeah, really, really good season for Kenny Pickett. And he's, a, I think, a fifth-year guy, so nice to see a guy that has stuck around with the same program yeah, uh, get, get paid off. Yeah. All right, let's – Look, hey, look at the final college football playoff rankings and the playoff matchups. So uh, Alabama moves to one, not surprising after that big win over Georgia. Michigan at two. Georgia drops to three. Cincinnati, four. Uh, Notre Dame, five. Ohio State, six. Baylor, seven. Ole Miss, eight. Oklahoma State, nine. Michigan State, 10. Utah, 11. Pitt, 12. Anything just oh, – we'll go into the uh, those matchups here, but – any just thoughts on the rankings? 
it doesn't really matter because <laughs> you know the top four is really uh, all that matters. I was but. just happy OSU uh, did not fall out of the possibility for New Year's Six. That was my my big thought on the ranking. Yeah, I was yes. a little I was surprised Baylor wasn't didn't move up higher than seven. I thought they should have been. Honestly, I thought they should have been number five ahead of definitely ahead of Ohio State and ahead of Notre Dame as well. Yeah, that, that's fair. So stupid question here, but do the rankings have anything to do with the bowl games that, or is that just pretty much conference alignment? Like, how does that work? Do the I, I actually think it does. I don't think they just straight match them up like five versus 10 or however. You, well, you have to be a top 12 team to be like, right. To if be you're a, yeah, to be eligible for the, one of those. Uh, okay. So yeah, it does. if you're right. non, if you didn't win your conference, you've got to be in the top 12. Gotcha. And then like, for example, the SEC. So when they send a team, to the playoffs the or in this case two teams to the playoff it's the next the third highest player. yeah the next yeah. highest rated team in the playoff rankings gets that that spot in the sugar bowl which so old miss would have been mad had georgia won because they would have gotten bumped into i don't know the sec bowl game well they i bet you they would have bumped then michigan state i bet they would have ended up getting a that new year's six slot against pitt in the peach bowl and michigan state would have gotten Booted yeah, that's a good point. Since they're number eight. Um, okay, so what are your guys' thoughts on the matchup? So Alabama and Cincinnati are facing off, I believe, in Arlington, the Cotton Bowl, and uh Georgia and Michigan head into Miami. Uh to me, it's the two SEC teams should be meeting again in a rematch, but uh crazier things have happened. So I guess let's word it this way: which team do you think is more likely to get tripped up or which of the SEC teams is more likely to get tripped up in that first round? I actually think it's Alabama just because if they come out for, I think they're going to win. Not going to say big, but I think they win by two scores, but at the off chance they, they show up and don't take Cincinnati seriously and they try and sleepwalk through it. I don't think, I don't think Georgia I don't think Georgia is going to have any trouble getting up for Michigan. They understand Michigan is Michigan. They have, they have the five stars. They have the four stars. That one's a little easier to, to, you don't have to like go motivate your kids to get up for that one. But I mean, we've seen Alabama look pretty flat this year. So Cincinnati could um, give them a scare. Yeah, no, I agree. Georgia's going to be ready to go for Michigan. Alabama should be ready to go for Cincinnati, but we don't really know. Clint, what do you think? Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I think Georgia probably to get tripped up. I just that Michigan Ohio State game was such an impressive performance by Michigan and Alabama. It's just a Saban led Alabama. You know they're going to be ready. Like it's not going to be a middle middle of the season regular season game where they just hope that they're up for the game. You know they're going to be ready, and I I don't see them losing, but. Who knows? I mean, I wouldn't be super – well, I guess I'd be super surprised if Cincinnati beat them, but I think they're going to be really good games. I'm pumped for them. I am excited as well. Um, do we I, have I any – I can't say one of the weirdest years of college football and weirdest – like just looking at the four teams and then the, the Heisman finalists, it's just one of the weirder – And the um, coaches, all the coaches. Yeah, just one of the, one of the weirder seasons – I've ever been alive for it. I'm assuming for you guys as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's everything's wacky. Good year to start a college football podcast. That's for sure. A lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, let's move along into our headlines. So last week uh, we were speculating about who would get that OU coaching job to replace uh, Lincoln Riley, and that guy is Brent Venables, uh, Clemson defensive coordinator. So he's coming to Norman after spending a decade as the Clemson D.C. He spent 13 years in Norm- Norman before that, so he is very familiar with the program, spent a lot of time with Stoops. They're super close. So he was kind of the favorite all the way through. Uh, there was some question about maybe he wasn't the guy uh, as it took significantly longer than it really needed to. Didn't get it hammered out and done until what Sunday night. And you would have thought with Clemson not playing in a, in a uh, conference championship game, it could have gotten done earlier. So for a while there, Dan Lanning's name, Georgia defense coordinator picked up some smoke. Uh, David Randa got mentioned every now and then, but at the end of the day, it was a guy that really a lot of people were expecting uh, and Brent Venables and really an electric arrival when he did get there. He got in late Sunday night to Norman and I figured there'd be people show up at the airport. I've never seen anything quite like it. I bet there was, I think I heard people saying 3000 people there. Yeah. I mean, the OU community is really, uh, really rallying around uh, Brent after feeling, I think pretty shaded by uh, being ditched by Lincoln. So really look at electric atmosphere. He got introduced uh, with his press conference and formal introduction on Monday uh, with a lot of former and current OU players there with him. So a lot of energy around Norman after how low things were just a week ago. Uh, Venables, I think, is the right guy to uh, come in and stabilize OU football. Clint, what are, uh, as a fellow OU person, what are your, uh, your thoughts on the BV hire? I love it. Like we talked about last week, this is both who we hoped who'd be head coach. So I'm super excited. And yeah, like you said, it's just a, an energy around OU with former players being there for the press conference and people on Twitter. And I, I'm super excited. What's interesting though, is I don't know why I'd never thought about it, but I just assumed he'd be the defensive coordinator. So that really, I'm wondering who he's going to hire as the defensive coordinator and when that's going to happen. But overall, super excited, a lot of energy going on, and I'm excited about this new chapter because it's going to be so much different. I was like his press conferences, uh, I guess that was yesterday, and he was talking about how he's not going to be going to all the big camps. It just sounds like he's. it's going to be a total change from what Lincoln did, so I'm yeah, excited. Yeah, talking about those, those mega camps that like, yeah. you go to that like SMU, Memphis, Texas State will host with hundreds and hundreds of kids there and lots of coaches. Yeah, he's he, which, he recruits a little differently than uh, Lincoln does. I'm pretty sure he's he's more. Uh, Lincoln was like cast a large net, mm-hmm. throw a bunch of darts. I don't I don't think him and Dabo operated that way at Clemson. So that'll be no. interesting to see how OU fans adjust. Obviously, no. Clemson he goes and gets whoever he wants, but you I think you guys get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Clemson. No, it's a totally different game with him. He's like there were times there were times when Clemson will only offer like ten offensive linemen an entire class you go look at like OU and a lot of other schools and they'll offer four or five times that amount of guys I mean it's yeah those Clemson offers are known for being being tough to get and I think Venables will take a similar approach he's not just going to offer some freshman in high school just because looks good at some rivals camp is he bringing his son with him is his son going to transfer to play safety uh Jay I think he's a linebacker but Jake Venables. He's actually not. He started last year for Clemson. I don't know if that was like a, a 
a daddy ball situation or is he legit? I think he looks like a legit player. I don't, I think he's starting because of injuries, but I okay. think he's solid. I mean, I, I, and I would think there's a good, and he might be graduating too. I'm not sure. Imagine I was, Venable Stoops matchup in practice. I was yeah. blocked by uh, Dean Blevins on Twitter the other day. He uh, tweeted something along, along the lines of, uh, OU finally having a fighting chance. Now, I saw that. I saw your reply. Yeah, and I was like, wow, top three program ever gets best defensive coordinator in the country and top o- top young OC mind in, in country finally have a fighting chance. Good for them. <laughs> Like, get out of here. Like, I know you guys are you guys, but OU's had a fighting chance every day since 1960. Like, the, they could have hired anybody, and we would have been like, yeah, that's a good hire. But I do think Venables was the best one. But I'm just saying, they could have hired Lanning and Dean and the OU homers would have been like, oh, yeah, now OU can really compete again. Like, they're, they're back. Like, they never actually were that good with Lincoln. They were really good with Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Yeah, Dean Blevins' wording on Twitter has just been Oh, when odd. he said that the, the hire will either be a home run hire or a dud, that was a pretty Exactly. Good Dean, he, he's just – he is just looking for people to click on his Twitter. Yeah. He's, well, not, he's well, not throwing shit out there. Yeah, he has one less person to look at it now because <laughs> I can't view his – That's a badge of honor. Any block by someone like that, it's kind of like – he did like, something yeah, good, I, I guess. I'm just that in Dino's head, I guess. <laughs> yeah, rent free. The sports animal every day from like kindergarten to seventh grade, or basically until I couldn't drive a car, or until <laughs> I could drive a car. Yeah, he. Hey, yeah, it was the uh, the ultimate what uh, power. What what do they call themselves when Dean goes on with with Jim and uh, and uh, oh. and Al. The ultimate total, total uh, dominance hour. Total dominant oh, yeah. hour. Yep. yep. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. I, listen, I still listen to that crap. I, I turn I on my, when I turn on my radio when I get in the car. I love listening to those guys. So I'm a little hurt. It's okay. It's okay. You know, you could get blocked by Jim Traber next. I don't think he does Twitter for that reason. He's on Instagram though now. Oh, I follow. <laughs> does um who is so is Levy like a done deal or is that still working? It's uh, it's. Oh, it's not official, but it seems to be a done deal. I'm guessing they're just hammering out the details. I'm pretty sure he's told his Ole Miss guys. There is – people are saying, though, that he wants to coach Ole Miss in the bowl game. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic, especially when he's trying to hold on to Caleb Williams, too. I, I th- would imagine he'd come to Norman until and recruit until the dead period starts next week and go back to Oxford for – Bowl practice, but I'm not sure that could be so something I'm, to. I'm gonna guess BV will be on the sidelines for the bowl game for you, right? I was wondering the same thing. If he's not in the sidelines, he'll be there, obviously. But Bob being the interim, no defense coordinator in the building. I, I, I could just see him going real basic structure of this year's defense, though, and just have GAs call it because yeah. I mean, it's not like BV is going to come in and bring his defense in. Maybe he might be the guy that calls plays or something, but I wouldn't be surprised either if it's just. GAs come in and let me ask you both are there any things about him that concern you like are there any worries I would just say lack of head coach experience you just don't know what what he's obviously an incredible defensive coordinator one of the best defensive minds in the country but how is that going to translate to managing a whole team you yeah, know, know. and so I just think the unknown is my main concern I think his track record though 
and his the guys he's learned under his I think he's gonna he's learned a lot. You could tell what watching his press conference. You see the Bill Snyder tendencies, you see the Bob Stoops tendencies, and then the biggest difference between his time in Norman initially uh, back in his first uh, stop here and now is he spent time or a decade with Dabo Sweeney, and so you now see you know you see you saw the football hard nosed defensive guy from his time with Snyder and Stoops. And then he kind of got, goes out to Clemson and gets, I'm not going to like softened, but, you know. He said Dabo's the nicest human being he's ever been around. Yeah, and you I see that, and you saying. see, I, and I you see, yeah, so I think that the combination of the guys he's learned from is a really interesting and unique uh, tree of coaches to learn from. And so I think he's a better coach now than he was when he was in Norman the last time around. Um, and I think it will translate to uh, a successful head coach, but you just never really know. Until was he run out, out of town the last time or am I imagining? No, that's what everyone keeps saying. Like, oh, oh, you ran him out of town. There were some people that weren't loving him. Like they did have some struggles towards the end of his tenure, but the reason he left was Bob or Mike Stoops had just gotten fired as the head coach of Arizona. And so Bob wanted to bring Mike back and have Mike and Brent be co-coordinators, but Brent didn't want to be a co-defensive coordinator. So he – uh, left for Clemson at that point but he and Bob have always had a great relationship since then and I think pretty much kept in touch and it wasn't like a sour ending for him yeah that's what I figured but yeah so um, like you said Levy is looking to be the guy offensively and the whole offensive staff was basically retained um, or, and that's why it's basically assumed that you can lock in Levy as the OC with his tie, uh, his ties uh, to OU uh, it's not surprising to see them keep guys like DeMarco Murray, Kale Gundy, Joe John Finley, uh, three OU grads on the OU staff, uh, and then Bill Bedenbow as well, which is huge to be able to retain him. That's, yeah, he, that's the guy. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't want to because uh, he had the opportunity to follow Lincoln to to SC, but but Beden Boss is not a uh, not an LA guy. I that think. guy, that <laughs> yeah. guy butters that guy butters the OU offense's bread. Typically, yeah. I guess not so much this year, but. His unit's uh, always the best on, on the OU roster. Yeah, he is one of the best offensive line coaches out there, so that's enormous to be able to retain him. And then uh, uh, right upon arrival, we find out Jamar Kane, the defensive ends and outside linebackers coach, and uh, Calvin Thibodeau, the defensive line coach, who actually played for Venables at OU. Neither of them are being retained. So it looks like Venables wants to get his, his defensive guys in, which isn't really that surprising. Um you might see his defensive line coach from Clemson join at OU, which would be a, a good get for the Sooners. The Sooners did end up losing a their top 2022 commit, uh, Gabriel. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Bro, you know, Dindy. Dindy, yeah, uh, five star uh, from Florida, who was real tight with uh, Thibodeau, the defensive line coach, and so sh- you he decommitted yesterday, and then it was shortly the dots were connected to. Thibodeau not being retained so that that's a tough loss in the short term but at the end of the day you got to trust Venables when it comes to those defensive staff moves uh he clearly knows what he's doing so uh there could be some some bumps in the road here early especially recruiting wise for OU but I do think long term Venables was was the answer great and then defensively or defensive coordinator wise I haven't heard anything concrete or really anything definitive 
one name that I have heard is Zach Alley, the defensive defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at Louisiana Monroe. He's like 28 years old. Uh, I don't necessarily know if that name is coming up for it for the defensive coordinator spot or maybe for a position coach, but that is a name to watch that could end up being added to the defensive staff, uh, along with a couple of Clemson guys and uh, others as well. All right. Also, it looks like Jerry Schmidt, not a lot of, I don't know if any listeners will know that name, but old director or strength and conditioning coach at OU is coming back from A&M. So. Oh, is that, is that actually? Well, yeah. The, it says text the Aggies today. Some Twitter said source Oklahoma has prior, or he said he informed the team that he's going back to Oklahoma to be the director of sports medicine or something like that. So I'm pretty sure that's done. OU's identity is completely changing in one week. So that's kind of what I'm excited about. Sucks losing Lincoln, but it's just going to be so different that a sense of newness is always good. Yeah, it's a totally different, totally different vibe with, with Venables at the helm compared to Lincoln. Uh, no knock on Lincoln, just different, different approaches. Yeah. All right. Uh, another big, big change in the coaching world. There was no, or we weren't, uh, this wasn't in the news cycle when we last uh, talked last week. Miami goes out and snags Mario Cristobal from Oregon to take over the Hurricanes program. Uh, Eric Cristobal is from Miami. So kind of a homecoming for him. Him, uh, just tough for for Oregon. They haven't been able to retain coaches for long periods of time ever since Chip Kelly left. Uh, as Cristobal leaves after four years, in a successful tenure, um, but really left some left a lot to be desired out there. So uh, tough loss for Oregon, but I don't think anything that they can't get over with the resources they have. This was really, really weirdly handled by Miami. They're without an athletic director. Um, they still had a head coach until yesterday. So they were just had Manny Diaz out there hanging, basically saying, yeah, we're going to keep you if we don't get Cristobal. We're going to fire you if we do. Uh, so he was treated pretty poorly in the whole deal. Um, he was. I, I read into what he, he did something oh, his, similar yeah. to Temple. So it's kind of a what goes around comes around, but. Yeah, he was the head coach at Temple for about two weeks and had kids sign uh, with his recruiting class that year, the early signing period, right after becoming the head coach, and then right after they signed, dipped for, for Miami. So, you know, these coaches, I don't necessarily feel bad for them. Yeah, he's going to get a pretty payout. He'll be all right. I'm sure he'll land on his feet. Um, Miami's a shit show. Like, that job could be incredible like it was in the 90s and the, in the early 2000s. I, I don't know if it's administration. The the Clemson AD is moving down there, so maybe that'll kind of clean things up. But is Cristobal even like I – mean, he's a good coach, don't get me wrong, but see he like He's that? a hell of a recruiter. Yeah, and he's Miami guy, obviously, or Florida guy, so. Yeah, no, he's a Miami, Miami guy. Okay, yeah, so match made in heaven for those people. Um, Oregon is like a, an unappealing job, I guess. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. They can't hang I, on anybody. I, I would rather be the head coach at Oregon than the head coach at Miami. I think it's an easier job. I, I'd agree with that. But I do get the appeal of, of going home. And Chris Ball is the type of guy that could really keep those Miami guys uh, from other schools. And that's going to be competitive recruiting-wise because Napier is a dog on the recruiting trail. 
So Florida should become more relevant uh, in Miami area. You got Saban who's going and picking up three, four Broward County guys a year. Uh, and then every other national program is dipping into Miami too. So things are going to get even more competitive there. Uh, but I think that's, I mean, that's as good as you could get if you're Miami at this point. Agreed. I'll tell you, the, honestly, I'm not going to call them the big losers in all of this, but Matt Campbell and Luke Fickle, all it takes is one or two down years and your name fizzles out from like the young up and coming head coach all these big programs want. So Fickle loses a lot of his roster next year. He's eventually going to move to another conference. Campbell's losing a ton of his roster. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how hot those guys stay in terms of candidates for bigger jobs um, in the next year or so. Agreed, especially Campbell. That's the one that I really – because Fickle, you know, he – I just don't think he – I don't think there's going to be anything that would have – had him leave Cincinnati ahead of a playoff outside of Ryan day, leaving Ohio state. Yeah. That's his job. That's his dream job. I don't, and the, Ryan day is pretty young. I don't think he's leaving for a while. The Notre Dame deal. I would imagine Notre Dame would have loved him. Marcus Freeman, who they ended up with their DC was a fickle guy. So they got a fickle coaching tree guy, but at the end of the day, I just don't think he was leaving Cincinnati before the playoffs and no one it makes zero sense with the early signing day to uh to wait until what early mid-january to be able to have your head coach just doesn't make sense so yeah fickle um i don't see burning out anytime soon he'll probably ride this playoff deal for a while but yeah i could definitely see that with matt campbell this uh it, for a while it looked at like, like that usc job might be his uh before lincoln took it um so yeah, if he has another, you know, seven, seven and five, six and six type season, uh, his name will will definitely fizzle quickly. All right, uh, and lastly for uh, headlines here, another coaching change this time at the coordinator level, uh, Oklahoma State DC Jim Knowles, who has turned the Pokes defense into a power, is leaving for Ohio State. Uh, Kerry Combs didn't work for the Buckeyes uh, in that DC role. Uh, so Ryan Day goes out and gets the hottest coordinator name in the country and Jim Knowles. Uh, big time hire for Ohio State. Tough loss for OSU. So we just found this out a couple hours ago. Ruley, what's your initial reaction and what do you think OSU's plan of attack is um, to replace Man, Knowles? Man, it's a it's pretty brutal uh, couple days. Um, initial reaction is at first you think, oh, it's money, but then you, you read it all, everything Mike Gundy said about Jim Knowles and he'll do whatever it takes and the administration will do whatever it takes to keep him at OSU. And I truly believe they, they tried that. Um, it does get to a point though, where Oklahoma state, I think Ohio state's budget, athletic budget, it's like 150 more million dollars than OSU's. So if Ohio state wants somebody, they're going to get them. Um, and eventually it just got to a point where we maybe couldn't match. I don't know how that works. Knowles is from up North. I think allegedly he was enticed by the idea of being closer to home and it's Ohio state. Uh, he, if he has two good years, three good years up there, uh, who's to say he's not a head coach anywhere he wants to be in the country damn near, but it, it sucks. I think Gundy will go out and I think he's seen what having a good defense is like. Uh, and he'll go out and make a, a, the right hire again. He, he found a guy like Knowles at Duke. 
So um, I think Gundy gets a little bit of crap for the coordinators he hires, especially right now because of how bad Casey Dunn's been. But assistant coach-wise, I mean, Mike Yersich got a lot of shit. He was really good. And Gundy found him at the D2 level, D3 level. So he knows what he's doing. I have faith in Mike. I wouldn't mind seeing – hopefully a guy's been kind of learning under Knowles' tutelage. But I think most of the defensive staff was here before Knowles got here. Uh, so I, I don't know how all that will work. But I, it will work itself out. Yeah. Yeah, it'll work itself out. Knowles is obviously a tough loss. Um, but like you said, I don't think Gundy's going to want to – you're going to drift away from, from having this, this defense. You can't clearly, you can't count on an elite offense every year. And yeah. if you could have a good defensive coordinator, um, that's something I think that you can control a little bit more. I will say this too. It kind of, and I say this more as a, a metaphor, I guess. So when a, a coach at like a group of five school, uh, an example would be like Chris Peterson or something at Boise state when he was there, he had like Kellen Moore. He had a really good quarterback. A lot. If you're in a group of five school and you, before you get a big job, you have a really good quarterback. Say Luke Fickle would have gotten the Notre Dame job this year. He's a good coach. Yes. But a, a better quarterback makes you look better. So what I'm saying is Knowles is a very, very good defensive mind. Having a defense full of 23 year olds, 24 year olds, that's not a luxury you have a lot of places in the country. So It'll be it. That was kind of like his his prize quarterback that helped him get a bigger job, if if you will. Yeah, yeah. I still that, think he's a great coach. It's a great hire by Ohio State. Yeah, the thought of them having an potentially an elite defense to go along with Ryan Day's offense that is uh, that's scary. So Knowles is Knowles was the one. Him and Gundy came up with the idea instead of trying to recruit. Um position specific kids who they weren't going to be able to get because bigger schools were getting them. They just started recruiting guys that could play linebacker safety or corner. So it'll be interesting to see if he wants to keep that same philosophy at Ohio state because he won't need to, he's at Ohio state. Now he can go get anybody. Um, I think that was more of a making the best out of what you have sort of deal at Oklahoma state, but uh, time will tell. Yeah. He's, he's about to have athletes to play with that. He has never, never had before <laughs> yeah he's been at cornell duke and osu i think those are a little bit different uh than ohio state yeah di- different ball game so tough tough loss for uh oklahoma state big gain for ohio state um but yeah oh so also speaking of jim Knowles, he got robbed of the broils yeah, award great, today great hoed yeah so uh uh or michigan was it the michigan defensive coordinator that won yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was somebody from Michigan. I don't know if it's offense or defense. I hope it's not the offense. I'll throw it. <laughs> no, it was their offensive coordinator. Because uh, oh Mike, my god, Mike McDonald's their defensive coordinator. Is their offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis won the which is their offense is not that nothing special. So I'm not. I mean, it's better than it has been. He improved their offense, but Jim Knowles freaking made Oklahoma State a defensive powerhouse. <laughs> like yeah. that's. A minor miracle. Yeah, literally. So that's that's a disappointment. That would have been nice, nice trophy to add to his collection on his way out of out of town. All right, let's take a look at the Heisman finalists. They were named this week. I would have had no idea 
if you would ask me before who will be the four or however, because the number changes each year depending on the voting situation. But if you would have asked me who the finalists were going to be, I would have had no idea. I would have said Bryce Young is probably Bryce Young and TJ Stroud were probably the only guarantees. So both of them are two of the finalists, along with Kenny Pickett from Pitt and Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson. So Devin's a guy gets in there. I think that defensive spot could have easily gone to Will Anderson at Alabama, who had an absolutely monster season. Uh, was a little surprised also that Kenneth Walker uh, didn't get an invite. And Matt Corral is another guy uh, that I wouldn't have been surprised to see end up in New York. So uh, any uh, surprises or uh, – I mean, Honestly, they're all a surprise. Bryce Young, like you said, is probably the one. I'm like, oh, that makes sense at the beginning of the year. But I, I lost three units on a Spencer Rattler Heisman future. So, Oof. yeah, that was a dead dog loser. <laughs> well, at least you knew it was coming for a long time. Well, yeah, yeah, it wasn't. There wasn't any buildup. It was yeah, immediate failure and disappointment. <laughs> no, this is the weirdest Heisman ever. As long as we Bryce Young's gonna win, right? Don't you think? Especially yeah. after last week, he that Georgia to. game had to have locked it up. Yeah, he, my pick. But so he, if he, he'll only have to play one more year of college, right? Because he's a red shirt freshman. Yeah. But theoretically, he could win. Two, three Heisman's. Yeah, he could he could win two Heisman's, but there's been plenty of guys with that opportunity. That's hard to do because you set the bar so high for yourself that you you have to have almost a bigger season. And if you don't, even if you put up very similar numbers, people will just be looking back at what you did in the year before. So you got to almost the expectations are just so high for a Heisman winner. Um, but yeah, I think Bryce Young wins, and maybe I would say CJ Stroud probably is the runner up, but I don't know at all what to expect from this. For, for like, I would I'm surprised that Hutchinson got in over Anderson, but same, yeah. So, will be inter- interesting to see what happens. Uh, that is next Saturday. Um, one game to look forward to this weekend, the always fun. Tradition-rich Army-Navy game, really unlike any other game, uh, America's game, uh, between these two service academies. I don't remember if it's in – I don't know if it's in uh, Philadelphia or Baltimore this year. Do either of you know? Because I know – Looking now. It It rotates between the two. uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey. So, it's actually in Jet Stadium, right? I don't – I don't. Army's the home team. Gotcha. Navy's the home team. What? Well – they're at the bottom of this little scoreboard. So, okay. So, maybe yeah. it doesn't matter where they play. In- I don't think it does. I think that it's just that's obviously usually it's in Philadelphia or Baltimore, though. So, that's it's interesting yeah. that it's in hmm. East, Ruth- East Rutherford. Uh, but yeah, uh, Navy is not the Navy um, of old. Uh, they have struggled toward the bottom of the AAC this season. Army, another solid season under, under Munkin. Uh, I think this is going to be a really, really good, exciting game just because it's one of those games that despite Army looking to be the better team, I could see it going either way. These two teams do not like each other one bit. Throw the uh, records out the window. Yeah, so but I'm going to go with – I think Army wins in a close game. I think there's the better team, and I think they'll pull, pull it out, but in a close one. I'm going, By the way, really, before you give your pick, it is in East Rutherford in honor of the 20-year anniversary of 9-11 this year. That's, so that's why it's there. I, this game's on my bucket list. This is like number oh, two, yeah, me too. Three on my, number two or three on my list for sure. 
Um, I'm going to pick Navy. I've seen both of the campus campuses, um, West Point and Annapolis, and I'm choosing Navy purely based on me liking that campus more. I've been there. I have not been to West Point, but yeah, and Annapolis is sweet. West Point is beautiful too, though. It's it's, it's kind of back in the in the woods a little bit, if you will. Um, Isn't and the stadium is like right on like a pond or lake, right? Yeah, and then also they have like the million dollar view is what it, they they told me it was called, and it uh, of the river. I think it's the Hudson River actually, but it, I mean it, it's beautiful up there. But um, Annapolis, Maryland, uh, that campus uh, was very very pretty. And I like both the stadiums are actually pretty cool for uh, for two like service academies. Yeah, yeah, and this yeah this is a, a bucket list game for sure. I would love to be able to. What are your other real quick? Just your three bucket list, like your college football games. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Army, Navy, and. Um, I guess, mm. I guess an Iron Bowl. Like, I mean, I guess I think the Iron Bowl is a little bit overrated, to be honest. But it's I, I guess like, it, it, I, to me, that's kind of like putting if you were an Alabama fan, like putting Bedlam on your list. Yeah, yeah. Um, Iron Bowl probably has a little more street cred just because of the kick six and all that, which is fair. Um, I'd probably say Ohio State, Michigan, duh. Army, Navy, and then also I know USC is not any good, but I'd love to see see Notre Dame, USC, but it has to be in South Bend. Yeah. Yeah, I went to a – I've been to USC, UCLA before at the Rose Bowl and talk about a depressing atmosphere for a rivalry game. Yeah, I went – When did you go to that? Probably five or – no, probably seven or eight years ago. Best part about that game is, though, is they both wear their colors. It's, yeah. it's red jerseys versus blue jerseys, which I wish OSU and OU would do. Honestly, orange on red, it would you could do it. Yeah, it would look pretty good. Yeah, that would be cool. Somebody else does that. I think it might be North Carolina and NC State wear their colors when they play each other, and that looks really good. Yeah, I wish they would do that. That would be that'd be awesome. All right, let's wrap this up. Just kind of look at some of these bowl games. We'll do deeper dives into these games each week uh, leading up to the games. But just any bowl games that stand out to you, we've talked about the playoff matchups, any of the New Year's Six Bowls that – so, I mean, really obviously for you, that Oklahoma State and Notre Dame game is going to stand out. Uh, what was your initial initial reaction to that? I, I tried to spin zone into my head that it's actually better we're playing that. From this point of view, I think most donors would rather go to Arizona and play Notre Dame for the first time in school history in the dead of winter than New Orleans and Ole Miss. I could be wrong in that regard, um, but I actually do think this is a better opportunity um, to play a national brand like Notre Dame for the first time in school history. And they're going to have a new coach. He's, I think, the second African-American head coach in Notre Dame history. He's young. It's his first game as that coach ever. He's going to have some pressure. Uh, it'll be a really interesting matchup. I don't think a lot of points are going to be scored in that one, but it, it certainly caught my eye. Yeah, Notre Dame is one of the teams you probably would want to avoid right now. I think they're going to be oh, they're going to come fi- they're ready going to, to roll. Yeah. Yeah. As a player, though, you get a PS5 for playing in that too, which I can't imagine the Sugar Bowl gift is better than a PS5. 
Wow. That yeah. is a big time gift right there. Those are a hot commodity and you get a free one for showing up. Something slimy is going on behind the scenes to get this many PS5s when no one can get them in the public. Well, I, it's, it's the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I guess, I guess it's a good source to get them from. But I, right from PlayStation. And you're on the 10-year anniversary of the, the other Fiesta Bowl. So maybe you come out with a win in another 12, I think the first 12-1 season since that. So. And then in 2031, you guys can show right back up. God, that's painful to think about, but it could be a sad, sad reality that every 10 years we have national <laughs> relevance and that's about it. Yeah, and come up just short of a conference title and end up playing in the Fiesta Bowl. God, that is excruciating. The Fiesta Bowl is the mountaintop. I've certainly had those thoughts, but I hate that we're saying them out loud. <laughs> um, the game might... I... Go ahead. You I was going to be... say that, that I think we're going to be talking about the same game. The game I'm maybe most excited about in all bowl season is the Rose Bowl, Ohio State and Utah. Ohio State, we know what they are. We know the athletes and freaks they have in that offense. But there might not be a, a team playing better right now than Utah. Or, and if there are, it's not many teams. Rolled Oregon twice uh, last half of the season with rising under center, which is really, really good. One of the better running football teams. I mean, and just a physical, physical football team that really shut down some really good running attacks late in the season. Uh, so I think this is a game that uh, Utah is going to have a real chance to, to keep close. Uh, their first ever Rose Bowl. So if their fans travel like they did to Las Vegas, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of Utes there. Uh, Ohio State fans always travel well. So it's going to be a really fun, cool atmosphere uh, in a game that I think could be closer than expected. That was the game I was going to ask about. <laughs> Great minds. What about uh, Baylor Ole Miss? I think that's the last one to at least talk about Baylor, this early. I think Baylor's going to beat them. That would be a really good one. That's going to be a good game. Does Baylor have a who? I'm interested to see who comes out at quarterback for Baylor. Shapin looked really good in the first half, and then not so good in the second half. I don't think Ole Miss has the the tacklers and uh, pass rush Oklahoma State does. So I I agree with you. Bohannon kind of got hot for a little bit there on the sideline um, when Shapin had to come out for a few plays. So so we'll see. Yeah, he Shapin kind of seemed like one of those quarterbacks at first he was rolling and then once he kind of broke off that 17 in a row completion streak or whatever it kind of fell off but he was I don't know if you saw this because you're at the game but he was the number one player out of Louisiana baseball player out of Louisiana shortstop so that that kind of explains some of those sidearms slinging it around throwing it like a shortstop no yeah that that definitely makes a lot more sense now yeah yeah, so those are the three. Oh, the other New Year's Six Bowl is Pitt, Michigan State. Woo. That's just doesn't doesn't really get me going. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, some of the other uh, interesting non-New Year's Six Bowl games, Iowa and Kentucky, uh, Penn State and Arkansas, that one is the Outback Bowl. Hey, OU and Oregon, man. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah, one. no, OU, Oregon, and the Alamo Bowl. I think that should be a, a pretty good game. I two teams that will have who knows will come out uh, and be on those coaching staffs. Two teams going through big transitions. Um, Both teams so. without their head coach and best edge rushers. Oh, you should roll them though. Yeah, Thibodeau announced the, the draft. Oregon is going to be dead. They have all these people uh, dropping out. That oh, you early thoughts should should beat the shit out of them. I think I think so too. I think having 
a stabilizer like Stoops there too. Oregon doesn't have that. Uh, Oregon, no Thibodeau, but like Clint mentioned, OU doesn't have uh, Benito either. Uh, both guys entering the draft and opting out of the bowl game. But yeah, that's that's one I'm looking forward to. And just seeing Stoops come out of the tunnel and coach the team will be will be mm-hmm. really fun. We got Clemson and Iowa State in the Cheez It Bowl, which is now in Orlando, no longer in uh, Phoenix. Um, and those are really the the games that that stood out. T- really tough break for uh, for BYU. Probably not too far from being a team that could have gotten in one of those at large spots in the New Year Six. Instead, they're heading to Shreveport for the Independence Bowl against UAB. <laughs> you're yeah, cl- that sucks. I mean, you're you're the you know, it's that close between playing like a Notre Dame to playing a UAB. So it's crazy. In Shreveport, no offense to the Shreveport listeners if there are any, but that'd be like coming to Oklahoma City for a bowl game, you know? Oh, you're giving Shreveport way too much credit. I'm doing it there. Yeah, no, that that is Shreveport in January or December. Not, not, not probably a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, that's really bowl game-wise what st- stands out. Like I said, we'll, we'll be doing in-depth previews of all these games as they uh, get closer. Either of you want anything to add on initial bowl thoughts? No. Oh. All right. Well, I think that's all we've got. We'll probably be posting a, another, uh, another uh, podcast this week with a – deeper look at OU's hire of, uh, of uh, Brent Venables. Hopefully OU will have officially named an offensive coordinator that, by that point so we can dive in there. Hopefully we'll have the chance to talk with a couple former Sooners. So be on the lookout for that. As always, give us a follow on Twitter at the Fifth Year Podcast on Twitter and at Fifth Year Podcast on Instagram. And follow us all personally as well. And lastly, like, subscribe, rate, our podcast on apple that would be really appreciated uh and you know spread the word uh any uh, uh anything you guys do is really really appreciated uh, and as always we're looking forward to a football weekend we only have one game and the heisman ceremony so still a lot to talk about a lot to, lot to look forward to uh more changes ahead on the coaching carousel as well so uh, as always we appreciate y'all listening have a great heisman weekend 